0: Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roundtree and you are tuned into the July 10th edition of Rhetorically Speaking. Props to those of you who are watching on YouTube. Make sure you go and hit that that subscribe button. I don't know what corner it's in, but make sure you hit that button. Also share it, share this information. Hopefully we, we, we get folk who enjoy critical conversations about contemporary events. So make sure you hit that button. And then definitely salute to those of you who are listening on streaming platforms, whether it's Spotify, whether it's uh, Tidal, whether it's Apple Music, Google Music, Amazon Music. There's so many different streaming platforms. SoundCloud. I can't forget my SoundCloud people. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can get alerted when a new episode pops up. I try to p- pop one out once, twice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go with twice, <laughs> twice a week or Mondays and Fridays. I know last week I didn't get the opportunity to to put out two episodes because it was it was the Colonizers holiday which was July 4th, so I made sure that I pushed back against that and spent the time with with family and and friends. But you did get an episode on Friday, albeit a an IG live that took place, but it wasn't a lot of people on my IG live if I can be transparent and, and honest about that, where I talked about juveniles, tiny desk, and about the mass shooting that took place here in Philadelphia. So make sure you all hit that subscribe button and also share it with those who, who enjoy critical conversations, who enjoy critical thought when it comes to to different issues that take place in society, man. And so with that being said, we're going to get into today's conversation Where later on, I'm going to be talking about the Tulsa massacre that took place specifically in regards to the recent lawsuit that was dismissed by a judge in Oklahoma. I'll be talking about the implications of that and 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 what that means for for black folk in terms of reparations and just our overall our overall mental in in a emotional and spiritual wellness right we know that it that it impacts us on on so many levels but first but first we going to get into this white woman Britney spears so I'm from the era of of Britney Spears, of of Justin Timberlake when he was in sync. What was the other other bands that was taking place during that time period that was copying off of New Edition? Uh, the Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees. Uh, it's so many. It's so many. But I'm from that era. So I'm very familiar with Britney Spears, the the, the trials and tribulations she's had to experience as a result of, of her family, where she's garnered empathy from not only myself, but from from the world at large, because they recognize that she was she's been placed in a she was placed in a position That was unfair, that was unhealthy, and that was problematic when it comes to her her well-being, both fiscally and her psychological and emotional well-being. We know, and I think many of us as we get get older, we really understand when Britney shaved all her hair off, it was just like, yo, I'm out here. For us older folk, we know exactly what that what that looks like. We talk about familial stress. We talking about stress from work, just the expectations and the pressures of society. And and her in ter- in her world, we're talking about misogyny and black women's world. We talk about world. We understand all of that and how that can come to the fact of you know what the only thing that I can control right now is my appearance, and so I'm going to cut off all my hair. So we empathize with her for that. What we don't empathize with and that I, I do want to talk about is the issue that took place last Thursday in Las Vegas with the number one draft pick in the NBA draft, Victor Wimbayama, who is a 7'5", a I'm about to say 7'5", Adonis, right? Like he's he, he got all the tools, Adonis in the sense of his, his basketball skill, his basketball IQ. And he's just a, he's an amazing basketball player. Hence the reason why he was the number one pick of the San Antonio Spurs. And what took place that I found out later and probably the next day was that Britney Spears had filed a assault charges against the secu- Victor Wimbayama's security. And when I heard that, I was like, wait, 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 what happened? How did the two even meet? Because you don't think about Victor Wimbanyama and Britney Spears traveling in the same circles. But then again, I remembered that Victor is, is in Las Vegas for Summer League. Have no idea why Britney Spears is in Las Vegas, but it makes sense because why? She's a celebrity. She may be performing. She may be chilling. I made it a it, my, my purpose to find out okay, what took place if she's filing assault charges against his uh, attempted to file sec- assault charges against his security and what I'm gonna do now. And again, that's why I always encourage people who are streaming to go check out the YouTube too, where I'm going to show the video because this is gonna be the impetus of what we, we talk about next. So I'm gonna play the video. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's in the face. Who did? Oh it's for you. So <laughs> For those of you who are watching, and I, and I tried to do a little, a little bit better to try to fix the video, what you saw was Britney Spears run up behind seven-five Victor Wembanyama in attempt to touch him. So I went and read what she wrote, and she said that she touched him on the shoulder. I called bullshit on that immediately. Because Britney Spears, you're you're barely 5'2", five, 5'3", five, at the most 5'4", and you're grabbing a 7'5 man on his shoulder. I knew that wasn't the case. And she alleged that the security guard slapped her, that he hit her in the face. And so on the surface, when you hear that, that sounds like what? That sounds like assault because that is assault, right? And nobody should be touching anybody, let alone hitting someone. Even in, the span, even in the position of a security guard, unless you you find that somebody's personal space, somebody's physical well-being is being compromised in some capacity, which is critical in this situation because again, she's admitting that she's attempting to touch this 7'5 man who she doesn't know from a can of paint, who is, is in front of her. He's not looking at her. He's walking forward and she's running up behind him to attempt to touch him. So right then and there, if you're attempting to touch somebody and you get hit. Then that's your fault. That's your fault. People need to learn how to keep their hands to themselves. We have this conversation in society about the importance of consent. Right. There was no consent there. But what what is there is privilege. What is there is white women's privilege. So she filed this, uh, this the, attempted to file these charges to have the Las Vegas, Nevada police investigate. Victor Wembayama came out and said, listen, I don't know. I guess somebody was trying to put, they, she tried to put her, I didn't, first I didn't know it was Britney Spears. And then I heard, I heard it was Britney Spears. All I know is somebody tried to put, somebody put their arm around my waist or tried to grab me on the shoulder. But security and everybody told me to keep walking, which they, which they should have. And I saw people castigating him because he didn't get the details right. If you're walking forward, you don't know what's happening behind you. It could have been a security that touched him around the waist. Why? Because they're trying to protect his safety. Subsequently. The investigation was dismissed. No charges were filed. In fact. They said Britney Spears inadvertently. Hit herself in the face. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did I see that in the video? That came out from somebody's cell phone. Maybe the cell phone footage was grainy." So I went and, and took a look back at the video. And again, this is why it's important that you believe half of what you see. Because different angles and different videos can show different things. So unless it's clearly in front of you and it's taking place and you have clear footage of what's happening, then we need to be mindful about the comments that we make. I saw a lot of people saying, did you see the video? He hit her. Did you see the video? The security hit her. And so I'm like, huh, let me, let me go back and check. And so I went back and checked and lo and behold, what did I see? Britney Spears hitting herself in the face as a result of not keeping her hands to herself. As she attempted to go out and touch him, security guard did, this, did the wave, the arm. And what happens? If you're reaching and somebody does that, boop, right in your head, your own hand. So I'm going to show you the slow motion of this video. But and I'm going to get into why this is so important and what this means in, in terms of of interactions specifically between white women and black men and just the racial component that exists among that. So what you're seeing is and you see him catch her arm before she had the opportunity to touch him. So he was literally doing his job, literally doing his job. And she got hit by her own arm because she didn't respect the boundaries of another person. Hmm. And I wish we could leave it there. I wish we could just leave it there and say, and she would have been like, you know what? Yeah, in hindsight, because I don't know if she was intoxicated. We heard her scream F you and this is America. We always see what white folk, especially white women run to do when something takes place. They cry victim. And again, this is not all. Right? And I hate that I have to preface it by saying that, but we know some people are sitting there, not all, not all. But what we know is, we know that in incidents between black men and white women that they present as a threat. And Britney Spears was no different. Her whiteness showed she leaned into that. Even after it came out that she hit herself in the face because she wasn't minding her own business and respecting the boundaries of others and not getting consent. But even with that, she doubled down. And so, forgive me, I'm gonna look on my phone so I can look at this story. You also can, not her story, uh, story but on the, her Instagram, you'll be able to see it for those of you who are on, on YouTube She says, this story is super embarrassing to share with the world, but it's out there already. However, I think it's important to share the story to urge people in the public eye to set an example and treat all people with respect. Hard pause. Again, black folk are asked to, to whether they they're aware of it or not. They're 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 told that they have to present in a certain way, whether they're oblivious to what's happening in their surroundings or not. We always have to be on guard. We always have to be mindful. Which again, it's true. But do we need this white woman to, to, be, to tell us that? She goes on to say physical violence is happening too much in this world. Often behind closed doors. I stand with all the victims and my hearts go out to you all. Okay. So now she's attempting to weaponize a community that's experiencing domestic violence, that's experiencing uh, emotional and mental harm. She's weaponizing this community Because again, she didn't exercise healthy judgment. She didn't respect the boundaries of another individual, which caused her to get hit in the face. But let's go on because this is mind boggling to me. I have yet to get a public apology from the player, his security or their organization. I hope they will. And so you might say, okay, what's wrong with this sentence? It's nothing wrong with this sentence. I have yet to get a public apology from the player. So what she so by her not naming him. Right. She's trying to she she's trying to show it's a it's a measure of disrespect. It's a level of disrespect that's taking place. He's not worth me saying his name, but he was worth you chasing after like a groupie to go to go infringe upon this personal space. And she continued that throughout. Right. So how can I emasculate him in some way? How can I show that I don't respect him by calling him the player? I'm a, I'm a fast forward. Um, you know what? You're you're on YouTube. You're actually reading the, the first part, which I, which I skimmed over. Uh, I actually went to the second part. But she also talked about traumatic experiences are not new to me and I've had my fair share of them. So this is where she goes. Right. She 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 takes this incident. She displaces her anger and frustration with what she's having had to navigate in life. And puts it on Victor Wimbenyama in this security guard, who, again, was doing his job. She says, I was not. Prepare for me for what happened to me last night. I recognized an athlete in my hotel lobby as I was heading to dinner. I later went to a restaurant and saw him again. I wanted to congratulate him on his success. It was really loud, so I tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention. Lie. You never made it there. You never made it to his shoulder. But again, this is how how the, the facts are construed to make you look like a victim and to make him and his security look like predators, to look like villains. His security then backhanded me in the face without looking back in the front of a crowd, nearly knocking me down and causing causing my glasses to fall off my face. So now we want to sensationalize it. I had glasses on my face because we know how it is when somebody who wears glasses, if they get hit. It's just like, oh, my gosh, this is something you don't do. You don't hit people with glasses because then they're not going to see. Remember Thomas J. For from from, uh, from my girl. He can't see without his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. So this is, again, the weaponization of whiteness by white women. She says she gets warned by people all the time. In fact, at least 20 fans that day, yada, yada, yada. One last thing that I want to say that she talked about. She talks about how she hasn't been treated fairly in America. This white woman with tons of privilege, with millions of dollars, who gets to operate and navigate in any space that she wants. She can make the most unhealthiest of decisions. And she talks about how. Right. She's taking the Martin Luther King, the Malcolm X quote, the black woman is the most disrespected woman in America. And ascribing it to herself, Britney Spears is the most disrespected woman in America. The caucasity, the caucasity. And we saw this time and time again throughout history. The allegations perpetrated here are no different than those by that white woman, Carolyn, who who said that that Emmett Till attempted to assault her. Even when it was found out that she was lying. Even when it found out she was lying. And throughout the decades that's passed, there was no sense of no sense of justice. And, you know, I don't believe in justice in America. I believe in accountability. There was no accountability for the lies that she told. And so similarly here. She can cast these aspersions towards Victor Wembayama, who since said, you know what, I'm staying out the media, (laughs) the media spotlight I I can't navigate that. I'm, I'm not doing that right now. 19-year-old black man from France. As Paul Mooney said, he had his nigga wake-up call. If he didn't get it in France, he damn sure got it here. Because this is what it looks like to be a black man in America. You can do absolutely nothing wrong. Someone can be attempting to protect you From the devastation that is whiteness. And yet you still get considered to be a, a, a villain, a perpetrator. It's nuts to me. I wish that brother nothing but the best. And I wish Britney get the help that she needs. And so with that said, we're going to keep the party going. Because again, when we talk about the devastation of whiteness. The devastation of, of racism, white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism, patriarchy. How can we have that conversation without talking about the survivors of the Tulsa massacre that took place in that took place in 1921? Where an entire community, an entire community where black folk were thriving. Because why? Why were we thriving? Because we needed each other. It was community. Community was at the forefront. And we know that changed post-integration. Because then folk who look like me, although they might have had noble intentions, they wanted to be integrated into a society that could care less about them and about community. And so that's why so many folk say, hey, maybe we were better off when we are amongst each other. We look at the school systems. They've been terrible. I'm sure Brown and Ver- the Board of Education was, just, was more so, hey, we need more resources as opposed to decide to send little Ruby Bridges into this, into these schools that don't want them there where they experienced violence, where they experienced harm. And with the massacre in Tulsa. And again, I'm I'm not going to act like I'm a thousand percent familiar with everything that took place. I'm not a Tulsa massacre historian. But the information that I do know, again, started with a black boy and a white girl. This time, according to scholars, this white girl didn't even allege that something took place, but it's just the mere thought of a black boy and a white girl being in the same space that some type of impropriety must have happened with the, with the black boy being the perpetrator. See Britney Spears. Subsequently, thousands of, of black folk were displaced as white folk ravished the community that was thriving. Now I know in contemporary society, black folk, we like to look back at Tulsa's, Oh my gosh, it was just all this money and all of these things. We look at it from a capitalistic perspective, but if we look at it just from a safety perspective, we were safe emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, we were safe the money is just the added bonus and so survivors of the survivors of the Tulsa massacre who are in there they're all in their hundreds they filed the lawsuit against the against the city of Tulsa looking for reparations in some capacity specifically building a hospital <laughs> Right. It's crazy. You got to file a lawsuit to build a hospital in a community where it's needed. This is America. For the city to contribute to a fund. For survivors of what's taken place back in 1921, May 31st, to be exact. Subsequently, the case was dismissed with prejudice, meaning that it can be refiled which the plaintiffs who in this case are those individuals who are in their hundreds and their, their attorneys plan to refile. They plan to have a, to have a press conference at three thirty PM today. And today is what June 10th, June 10th. shoo Lord, July 10th. Can't go back in time. But the argument given was, that there's nothing. And, and this was the argument, excuse me, this was the argument made by the defense. That how do we know these individuals specifically were impacted directly? And also. How do we know that this was that, that the effects of this, that this took place for a long period of time, as opposed to just just being an isolated incident where the remnants of it is, is felt long gone, long, uh, going further. And so the case example that was used was how this, how the, how an individual, I forget their, their position, excuse me, how they sued Johnson and Johnson for the opioid epidemic and they were awarded 400 and some odd million dollars. Subsequently, that ruling was overturned because again, they couldn't, they had to prove, and it's not a reasonable, reasonable doubt. But just really the impact of it, even though we see the impact of Tulsa, of the, of the Tulsa massacre until this day. Look no further than First 48 if you watch it. You'll see the plight of black folk, the conditions that they have to that they have to live with, that they have to experience. Hell, I'm experiencing the, the, the impact of of the, the Tulsa massacre. Perpetrated by white folk. Why? Because, again, we're talking about the historical trauma that's passed down generationally. And so when you when you see somebody who looks like you experience trauma that stays with you, that can cause PTSD related symptoms. For me, it's disheartening. Right. It's disheartening because these folk are looking for for accountability which they may not see in their lifetime because again, they're all in their hundreds. You're looking for somebody to say, listen, we fucked up as a city. And so we're gonna hold ourselves accountable. And how do we hold ourselves accountable in in when we talking about um, when we're talking about government wise? We're talking about atrocities committed by cops. You pay like you weigh. You pay like you weigh. And so I don't know what this means in the, in the larger idea of reparations, which, again, continues to, to gain more steam in, in different places across the country. I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is just the disappointment, the hurt, the pain, the empathy that I feel for these three individuals and for, for the inhabitants of, of Tulsa. Black folk who, who might have thrived in some capacity or who may not have thrived, but at least if they didn't thrive, it would be a result of their own devices, their own unhealthy decision-making, as opposed to, to state-sanctioned racism, in the killings of 300 black folk. And the displacing of, of thousands more. Listen, I appreciate you all for tuning in. I will be back on Friday with the, a new episode. Hopefully we have an interview set up for that day. I want to start having these interviews scheduled for for Fridays, uh, even though you know I could, I could talk forever. But listen, I appreciate you all. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you rate us. I ain't going to do the Bomani Jones. Give us four stars. Don't Give us five stars or four stars. I don't know what it is, but just give me some stars. Right? Give me some a, a, a nice amount of stars. At least give me three and a half. It'd be much appreciated. Until next time. Peace. Mm-hmm.